Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Doing great, man. Doing awesome. I don't know if, if that track doesn't get you wanting to, to stomp to some Dance Dance Revolution. I don't know what will. I'm going to tell you what. That is a homemade original track made by yeah. yours truly. Not only am I a t- talented, but yes, indeed. I can get on the ones and twos a little bit. I can spit some bars, spit some beats. I can't spit the bars, but obviously I beats, man. But great show show for those playing tonight sarah we're gonna do a little something interesting here obviously everyone likes to go through and rank the offseason moves by all these teams across the nfl but that's not how we do it here on NFL mocks because mm-hmm. here we like to bring the listeners something a little bit different so we're gonna draft the offseasons if you will you and i are gonna mm-hmm. trade off traditional you go i go format here on the nfl mocks podcast and we're gonna knock out these top 10 uh you know off seasons we've had from these nfl teams and uh, are you ready, Sarah? I mean, are you? What do you got for the listeners? You got anything else we need to tell them right now, or uh, any news to share, or anything like that? I know it's NBA Finals night. We're yeah. watching that. Last time I checked, the Raptors were up ten at halftime. But what you got on in your life, Sarah? Gosh, you know, it's uh, it's been a good, it's been a good week. I don't know. It's just been a, it's been a fun week. A lot of <clears throat> my daughter's out of school now, which is, you know, like it's crazy. She just finished kindergarten, man. So like. Just yesterday, it feels like I was in the hospital. She was born, and now here we are. Kindergarten's over, so it goes quick, man. I think that's it's just a good reminder for me to just enjoy to enjoy the moments. I'm not trying to get all sentimental right away here, but I mean, it's just it's a good reminder for me. It's kind of recharged my batteries and uh, and my you know walk as a dad, I guess you know, because I got three kids, so I got to make sure I don't miss a lot of moments. No, nah, man, you got to win that parenthood race. You got to run it strong. And it sounds like you're winning, man. That's all that matters. As long as you're winning that parenthood race, as long as you're there for them. Mm-hmm. But let's get in, man. Let's rank these Buffalo, or, you know, excuse me, these ooh, offseasons. Ooh, spoiler alert. Yeah, might have spoiled a little spoiler alert. But you wow. know what? I'll give you first pick, um, <laughs> you know, because you never know who you're going to go with off the board. But you know who I'm going to go with, so don't steal them. I doubt you will. Yeah, yeah. Who's your number one offseason uh, team this year? Who made the most moves? You got first pick, Sarah. Who is it? Gosh, I got to go with the Buffalo. I'm just kidding. <laughs> ah, no, I wouldn't do that to you. Uh, I, think, I think that I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns. And it stems from something that we talked about in the last podcast. So definitely go back and check that out because we talked a little bit about 
the players and coaches and really even executives who benefit the most from their new quarterbacks in town. Well, I think that just to kind of get a little bit technical about it, Odell Beckham, I think, is the player who benefits the most of any player, coach, or executive in the league from his quarterback switch. And I think that the Browns and what they did to go out and get Odell Beckham just a brilliant move. You give up a first round pick for a, a proven superstar talent, really entering the best years of his career if he can stay healthy. And so I just absolutely love that move. I love what the Browns did there to go out and get him to be aggressive. And then I don't, you know, obviously morally or ethically, we don't like this move, but the move to go get Kareem Hunt, I think, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes there. Obviously, John Dorsey knows him from his time in Kansas City. But strictly in terms of on-field production, we know that Kareem Hunt is is probably one of the top three or four best running backs in the NFL right now. And the Browns already had Nick Chubb. So you've got a, I mean, my goodness, you've got a, and Duke Johnson. So, I mean, you've got a one, two, three punch right there. That's as good as any in the league. And two guys in Kareem Hunt and, and Nick Chubb after the offseason move to go get him, really two guys that I think can be top top 10 backs in the NFL, as, at least you know if we're talking just strictly fantasy. And then you make the trade, obviously, in the Odell Beckham trade. You bring back Olivier Vernon to come and play in your 4-3 look. I love that. I love that move. I think Vernon, his best days are certainly maybe behind him at this point. Um, certainly maybe, how do you like that? Uh, I kind of covered all bases there. They're either certainly behind him or they're maybe behind him, but I think playing a, across from miles Garrett is going to be a really good move for him. And, and the Browns obviously needed some edge help. You know, they're moving from, I don't even know what they were. I think they were still four, three last year, but they had, uh, guys like Ogba who couldn't produce yeah, and other players who, who weren't quite living up to, to expectations, no matter how high or low. So you get Vernon and then you go and make an underrated move, I think. One of the most underrated free agent moves in the entire offseason to, to sign Sheldon Richardson for your interior line. You pair that guy with Larry Joby, and then Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon on the outside. That's a terrifying defensive line for anyone to have to face up against. And then I think you, you go deeper into their offseason. Greedy Williams, their top pick in the draft. We talked a little little bit about him in the last podcast or to a couple podcasts ago of, of instant impact rookies um, which is another one to go back and listen to because we get a little bit of Cleveland Browns sock there if you're a Browns fan and so I think Greedy Williams could be a really nice pick for them it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's starting by season's end over Terrence Mitchell or TJ Carrier whoever they've got out there and then I think a sleeper pickup for them Mac Wilson the linebacker out of Alabama obviously they're they're running a different scheme give it to me yeah absolutely man i think you know there's a there's a fit for him in the nfl i don't think he was so bad to be a fifth round pick in the draft and and i think that with the browns crew that they've got there with kirksey Schobert, Jannard avery they've got some guys who are going to move up and down specifically avery we know he's going to be rushing the passer a little bit and i know joe Schobert can move and rush the passer because he did it well at wisconsin but mac wilson another guy they can bring in to plug up the middle and plug up some of those running lanes i like that move and i don't think he's as bad in coverage as people say i think he's he's pretty all right all around and i think now with a chip on his shoulder he's going to be even better so all that to say cleveland browns the number one pick in the draft last year, the number one pick in my offseason draft this year with the arrow pointing straight up, bright green, all systems go. This team is looking really good. 
Yeah, I mean, I like the pick there in Cleveland Browns. They were the number two team on my big board. Like you said, you hit all the things, right? You know, this is a 26-year-old wide receiver who's at the top of his game, and he's going to be under contract in Cleveland until 2024. That was a no-brainer in my opinion. Great, great there. And, yeah, everyone likes the Greedy Williams pick, and I like the Mac Wilson pick as well. But outside of that, man, I didn't really love their draft. That's why I have them at number two. But all, all those things they did on that they did prior to the draft did, you know, enough upgrades on their roster to slide them all the way up in the number two on my big – board here off seasons of all off seasons NFL but my number one team man I thought the Buffalo Bills absolutely crushed Mm. it this season especially in free agency man they had a problem keeping Josh Allen upright and in the pocket last season they go do they go out and sign basically an entire offensive line uh Mitch Morris Spencer Long John Felicity or Filisano or Philicon I know, however you want to pronounce that. Bain, a handful of names, and then, um, you know, obviously draft Cody Ford there. Um, but to, but back to these offseasons uh, moves right here in free agency. Cole Beasley, nice weapon for the young quarterback there in Buffalo. And John Brown, two guys that, you know, Cole Beasley going to be a possession receiver, get open early for Josh Allen. And then John, guy who will never get overthrown in his career, um, probably because he's going to run it down. And Andre Roberts, I think all those guys help out on offense. And then you sign a veteran like Frank Gore to put there in your running back uh, room who's just going to be a good leader uh, in general, and you're only paying him about $2.5 million. I don't think they overpaid for any of these guys, except, I mean, you could probably throw the argument at me that Cole Beasley isn't quite worth his contract. But again, man, I like the weapons that they're putting around this young quarter in Josh Allen you know, some physics with a little bit of speed. And then again, back to this draft, man, you get Ed Oliver right there, pick number nine. He somehow falls to you. Um, a guy who I think both of you and I, Sarah, think was a top five player in this draft. Mm-hmm. You get him there at nine. And then Cody Ford, I love that pick out of um, Oklahoma. You know, big on that guy. And Dawson Knox, the third round tight end, man, he's probably going to start this year in Buffalo. So I think a lot of good things going on there. Obviously, you still got quite a hill to climb uh, in, in the AFC, all good things, all trending upward, upward, as Sarah said, the green arrow flashing and going straight northward. So that's my number, uh, you know, one team on my board. They go overall in this draft. Uh, who you got? Number three, Sarah, we'll take it back to you, bud. All right, man. I told you I was going to do it. I told you I was going to do it. It's my Denver Broncos, baby. Come on. Oh, no. I don't think He's any team. It. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to preach to you for a little bit here about the Denver Broncos offseason. All right. I'm going to tell you all out there. And Brooks Brooks was up front with me. He said that's a homer pick. I, I don't you know, I, I'm going to defend this to the grave. And here we go. I don't think any team in the NFL this offseason had a better head coaching decision or or you know, change, change, excuse me, than the Denver Broncos to go from Vance Joseph to Vic Fangio. And obviously Fangio is an unproven head coaching commodity, but he's one of the most proven and one of the best coaches in the NFL at what he does. And he's going to bring that to the Denver Broncos. But I don't think we've ever seen this before in the history of the NFL. The top two guys, the top two candidates for the Denver Broncos job are Vic Fangio and Mike Munchak, the, the offensive line coach formerly of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And what ended up happening? Well, the Broncos hired both guys, and they hired Mike Munchak to be their offensive line coach. And I know you know, as a big offensive line guy, just how big of a difference maker that guy is and how uh, big of a difference maker he's going to be in Denver and what they're going to be doing up front on the offensive line. And so those are the top two moves. 
to me that this team made this offseason. But then they go, then they go out and they make a trade for Joe Flacco. And obviously, I wasn't big on this move right at the very beginning. And I still am I think the jury is still out on this for me. You know, I'm willing to I'm willing to accept the fact that he's, you know, a former Super Bowl MVP, which by the way, shout out if your team doesn't have a Super Bowl MVP on offense and defense right now. I'm sorry, I can't relate with you. Um, but I'm just I just had to throw that out there. But the Denver Broncos added a Super Bowl MVP on offense, and we'll see what Flacco's got left in the tank. I mean, John L seems to think he's got quite a bit. He said he's entering his prime. But even if that doesn't work out, guess what? They drafted Drew Locke in the second round when everyone would have been okay with him being the top 10 pick that they had initially, or even the 20th pick that they had when they traded down with the Pittsburgh Steelers to acquire an additional third round pick in next year's draft as well. So, oh, and by the way, they drafted Noah Fant in the first round, who's going to be a game-breaking tight end. They drafted Dalton Reisner, your boy at the NFL Mocks podcast. Shout out to Dalton Reisner, who's just a straight-up beast who's going to start at left guard, it looks like. And then they went in free agency before that, they signed Jawan James, which uh, I obviously agree. I mean, you've got to sometimes when you're a team like the Broncos and you're looking to rebound, you've got to overpay for some guys. And they gave Jawan James what is now the second highest contract ever for a right tackle in NFL history after John Gruden and Brown. the Raiders moved over Trent Brown. So, I mean, that boy, he's not going to get passed up for a long time at that number. But so they signed Jawan James on the offensive line. And then you go and you get a couple of defensive backs that can help you. Kareem Jackson, obviously, he's going to play a little safety, a little nickel, a little outside corner. And then they get Bryce Callahan, the nickel, the one of the only nickel cornerbacks in the NFL that's even comparable to the great Chris Harris Jr., who, oh, by the way, is the first player that I can ever remember John Elway giving just an arbitrary raise to. He just straight up gave him like $3 million just out of good faith. Uh, didn't re-sign him to a long-term contract. Harris could have played this year at $8.9 million and the Broncos would have got a steal. But Elway put him up there at number four in the NFL in terms of cash paid to the corners. And they got him back in the fold. And all is well in Denver right now roster-wise. And so I'm looking at the moves this team made, man. And I'm, it's, it's hard for me to see any way that they don't improve significantly this year in the AFC West, but I, that's what I got, man. That's what I got on my number, my number two pick, the number three, three overall pick. So I don't know if you got any, uh, if you got any rebuttals, if you've been saving some burns, all right, but hit me. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. So here's my thing. And I, and I'll tone down the Homer thing and I'll try not to be too, you know, you trade for Joe Flacco, you give him 20 and a half million dollars for this year. Correct. And then you draft his replacement and you're all on that pick, right? You're, Everyone loves a Drew Lock pick, but in the reality, he's not going to impact you this year. In hopes, the hope there in Denver is that he never even plays this season. Joe Flacco plays out that twenty and a half million dollar. You already mentioned that Juwan James was overpaid fifty one million dollars for a right tackle, really, really expensive. And then you hit on uh, their Louis Jackson that you signed. He's thirty one years old, and you gave him thirty three million dollars. So. That's a lot of money for me for a guy who's going to be playing predominantly nickel corner there in Denver. Um, you know, I do love the Dalton Reisner pick. That's great. 
and Draymond Jones will impact your defense early. Um, you know, switching off there with Derek Wolf and playing alongside him. And Noah Fant's going to impact your football team as well. But, you know, I'm just not here for the, you know, third best offseason talk. Um, my number three team on my big board, and if you're going to keep leaving guys out here like this, we're taking this to Twitter, by the way. We're going to put my five teams <laughs> up wait. against your five teams, and we're going to get these We're going to get these things ranked because I do think, man, this is like if, you know, I love Subway or something. This would be like me ranking Subway in my top five damn uh, fast food chains. It's, it's not – likely it's even though it's personal even though i love me some subway it's not a top five fast food restaurant chain across the country <laughs> oh the man i'll tell you what right now man was not I'm putting taco bell right in the country taco bell definitely we're in putting there taco bell. yeah we're putting taco bell definitely in there, in there. yes i'm traditional i to be in there. I'm throwing Wendy's in there. And you know what? This Oh, no, I know what it is. This is even better. Damn the Subway argument. Damn Subway analogy. This would be like me putting Arby's in my top five for fast food restaurant chains. That's the type of homerism I'm seeing. You're the roast beef fan that loves Arby's. You're the best fan that loves their offseason more than most. But enough with the damn Broncos. I'm taking my number three, my big here in the Green Bay Packers. Again, mm. this is mostly to do with what they did in free agency, not necessarily kind of like the Cleveland Browns, what they did in the draft, which I'm, you know, I kind of like their draft, but I don't love it. But let's talk about this free agency. This is a team in Green Bay that has, has historically sat on their hands during free agency, not this year. They spent $184 million, which was second most in the league behind only the New York Jets. They now have the fifth highest payroll in the league with just over $98 million on offense, 33 and a half of that going specifically to Aaron Rodgers and over $111 million on their revamped defense. But unlike most situations where teams have, you know, a load of cash to spend in the offseason, I feel like they did it fairly well. I don't think they overpaid for too many people. Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, both the Smith boys, those pickups, and the Adrian Amos pick, man, to steal him away from Chicago. Um, I love that pickup as well. Both, all three of those, uh, all three of those guys, excuse me, are going to have tremendous impact on their defense this year. And you know what? Like I said, I don't love their draft, but I really, really like it. I'm not high on Rashawn Gay, their first pick there at pick 12, but Darnell Savage will play safety for a long time in this football league, and I think he pairs really, really well with Adrian Amos. And if you're list, if you've listened to the NFL Mox podcast enough if you've heard me talk anything about this draft you know that I absolutely loved Elgin Jenkins coming out of Mississippi State okay and then Jay Sternberger another good tight end there in the third round if you're if you're going to pass up on Noah Fant there in the first round you better go get a tight end and they did so in Jay Sternberger who I think has tremendous upside there again out of A&M and I even like the Kingsley Kiki pick out of there uh in round six so they loaded up on A&M football players I like all three of them. Um, for that reason, Green Bay, I'm taking them off the board here at number four. And again, number three on my big board, thanks to your homerism right there, Sarah Bettinger. Oh, you know, I'll gladly take it. I'll gladly take that. <laughs> I think that's a good pick. I like the Packers offseason. I think, you know, the the one reason I would drop them this offseason is all the craziness that went on in that Bleacher Report expose. Man, that that sounds like some pretty messed up stuff that's going on there between the players and the former, the previous regime. 
uh, <clears throat> so we'll see how that affects the new guys. Um, the new guys coaching there. Uh, gosh, why am I blanking on his name? He's he's my boy from the the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. Oh, uh, Lafleur. Um, not wow. Lafleur. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, very good, very good pick there. I'm gonna go with the next pick. I'm gonna take my second AFC North team off the board here. I think that one of the mo- one of the best and also one of the most underrated off seasons of the NFL belongs to the Baltimore Ravens. And I think that they made two, probably Ooh. three really key additions on both um, on either side of the football. And I'm gonna start with number three here. I think the third most important. Uh, move that they made this offseason was to draft Marquise Brown, the big speed demon, obviously, out of Oklahoma. He doesn't necessarily yeah. strike me as a guy who's going to go out and uh, you know block for a lot of this running that's going to happen. But at the same time, he may not have to block because he's going to carry two defenders with him down the field because he's going to run by everybody, and they're going to have to respect his deep speed and the ability that the Ravens have just to yuck the ball up and, and hope that he runs underneath it. So... I think that uh, obviously you get a guy like Marquise Brown, you're up, you're upgrading your wide receiver position substantially there, and that was a problem for the Baltimore Ravens last year. Obviously, I mean, and they went it, they went and got Miles Boykin to pair with him as well, and so I think that you do you do good there um, by getting both of those guys, but specifically Brown, who's just a a game-breaking receiver. Love what I saw from him at Oklahoma. Unfortunate that he had the injury to get over, but at the same time, you know, the, the, you've got you to draft a guy based on what he did on tape, and the Ravens knew that they weren't going to get any other receiver comparable to this guy. Look at what Tyreek Hill has done with the Kansas City Chiefs on the field. I mean, that's the type of impact, if not better. I think, obviously, Marquise Brown, a far better prospect than what Tyreek Hill was. And obviously he's got the same type of speed and, and uh, after the catch ability and, and things like that. So, but I think the number two most important addition they made Mark Ingram at the running back position. Think about the opportunity they have to pair the running abilities of Lamar Jackson with the powerful, powerful running style of Mark Ingram, who's just one of the best all around backs in the league. I think that that was such a great free agent pickup for them. And I love how they paired him with justice Hill in the draft. One of the faster running backs. And one of the guys that I think can, if you get him in the open field, he just compliments Mark Ingram so well, and they still have some decent depth and guys that they um, have picked up in previous years, like Gus Edwards and Kenneth Dixon and players like that coming in. So justice Hill speed, um, uh, and Mark Ingram's got that kind of powerful ability, pass catching ability. I love what they did there, but I don't know that any team in the NFL made a better and like more. Uh, I don't even know what the word is. It's like a, it's like sleight of hand or like under the table when you release Eric Weddle at the safety position and you replace him with Earl Thomas maybe the best safety to ever play the yeah. game. I mean, let's not get into too much hyperbole there, Sarah, but seriously, Earl Thomas is one of the greats. I mean, he's he's one of the best to ever do it, and Eric Weddle's no slouch himself. But I think that the, the Ravens got younger there with Thomas, and they got an upgrade, and they got a guy whose last act of, uh, you know, in a Seahawks uniform was to flip off his own sideline. So this guy's got a big-time chip on his shoulder. His team that, that he you know, won a Super Bowl with wouldn't pay him the money that he wanted. And here he yeah. is. He's going to be a Baltimore Raven. He's going to be the leader of that defense already a very, very good defense. And uh, man, that's, that is a game changing off season move. Earl Thomas is going to completely 
he's going to completely change the culture of that team, I think. So I love that pickup. No, I like the pick there in the Baltimore Ravens at five, which leaves the door open for me to take the Arizona Cardinals here at six. Look, I'm well-documented, and I mean well-documented with my takes on the hiring of Cliff Kingsbury uh, and the firing of Coach just after a year there from Steve Heim. But that's already water under the bridge, and though I don't sign off on that decision, I approve of pretty much everything else that they did this offseason. Look, in free agency, they got Terrell freaking Suggs. That's not, that's not a caliber of football player, even if he is older, that typically comes to Arizona and plays football, especially not at the defensive end position. So even if it's just for a year or two, you pair him up with Chandler Jones, I think you've got a good pass rushing attack out there uh, in Arizona. I thought they overpaid a little bit for Robert Alford, and Jordan Hicks, but you know, if Jordan Hicks stays healthy, that's a damn good pickup there for Arizona at the linebacker position. He played extremely well in Philadelphia again when he was healthy, but I believe he only played 20 games over four seasons there uh, in his time in Philadelphia, which is a lot of the reason he didn't get re-signed. Um, but the main reason I have him here uh, sixth overall in this offseason draft, man, is because of what they did in the draft, Sarah. Look at this, man. I don't think they missed mm -hmm. on a single pick. They're full on Kyler Murray. That's their guy. They go get him. Byron Murphy falls to him in round two. Not huge on the Andy Isabella train, but I guarantee you Cliff Kingsbury will find a role for that speed. Dan Allen, a good professional football player. I, he's never going to light it up, but I guarantee you he'll remain on the field all four days. Hakeem Butler, Twitter, all the Twitter scouts were all over Hakeem Butler, as was I. That's a big play 50-50 guy uh, with some freakish physical capabilities. Um, and then we already talked about Lamont Gaillard a bunch on this podcast. Uh, I really think uh, what they have, 11 picks in this draft. I think they hit on a, at least seven players uh, in this draft right now that will impact their roster day one. I've got them here at number six there. What do you think real quick about what the Arizona Cardinals did this offseason, my man? I think it's a lot of fun. I think that uh, you're obviously going all in with a guy like Kyler Murray, but I think that's a great pick for them. I just think like I was I was thinking about before the draft, you know, and to bring this back to the Broncos because that's how I rationalize things. But I'm thinking about like how who's the guy that I would draft out of this year's draft to like to truly be able to compete with Patrick Mahomes because that's what you have to do for the next decade plus. You've got to compete with the best quarterback in the league. Well, there's there's not not a team out in the NFC West that's that's hurting at quarterback besides Arizona, right? I mean, LA's got Jared Goff, Seattle's got Russell Wilson, uh, the 49ers got Jimmy Garoppolo. So how how do you figure if you're a, if you're the Arizona Cardinals, how are you going to beat Russell Wilson for the next you know five to ten years? How are you going to beat Jared Goff? How are you going to beat you know, I'm not going to give Jimmy G that kind of clout just yet. But, I mean, how are you going to beat those two other guys? And I think that Kyler Murray yeah. is the type of game changer who deserves that kind of recognition, who deserves that kind of, hey, like this guy is going to command respect because he's going to be a game changer on the field. So I like that. I definitely like that pickup and the rest of the ways that they surrounded him this offseason. All right, team number seven, seventh off the board here. You're up, Sarah. Who is it? All right, here we go, man. Here we go. I'm going to hit you with a team that gets better every single year somehow, and I don't know how, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rationalize it for you here. The New England Patriots, I mean, they just I – don't, I don't know if it's just consistency. Mm. 
uh, of, you know, look at the, I look at their defensive side of the ball right here and I see one guy that wasn't a starter on last year's team, or maybe two guys, depending on if, you know, Danny Shelton's out there over Mike Pennell or something like that. But you've got one new starter on the defensive side of the ball and it's swapping out, um, Oh gosh, I don't even remember the the dude who went to Detroit this offseason. Now that's how that's how oh Flowers, Trey Flowers. But uh Trey Flowers. Yep. You replace Trey Flowers with Michael Bennett, and you bring in a guy like Jamie Collins who knows the culture. You bring in players on the offensive side of the ball like Nikhil Harry to be your alpha at the receiver position, Demarius Thomas to kind of help develop him along and show him the ropes. You re-sign Julian Edelman. You get Isaiah Wynn healthy. You go out and you draft Chase Winovich to be a, a new starting defensive end, in my opinion. Uh, I love the pick of Joe Juan Williams, and there was talk before the draft that the Patriots are going to use him as like a new age matchup player to, to take on you know big tight ends or to cover running backs out of the uh, you know out of the backfield. They think that he can do that really well and I just I, I really like what they're doing. Yadni Kajust, I mean, that's another good pick. I think in round three, obviously so, there was some round one talk for him way early on in the draft process, and I know that that was obviously not justified. But I mean, that's a pretty good player who can play either of the tackle positions, in my opinion, for them uh, if and when needed. And so I just really like what the Patriots do. I mean, they they sit back. And they go and sign like, you know, they lose Rob Gronkowski to retirement and then they go and sign players like Austin Safarian Jenkins, who's a high upside player, in my opinion, who can play in line or play out. Uh, Benjamin Watson, who's an experienced veteran player who's returning to the man, still Ben Watson. I'll never forget the time he tackled Champ Bailey on a what should have been a pick six, man. That guy's. That guy's a freak and he's still playing today. And then you go and you. That's the same guy. Yeah, that's the same guy. That's the same guy. Yep. Good God, man! I thought it was a, I thought it was the other really big Georgia tight end. Uh, what was Buddy's name? He was six seven. Oh, he's pretty much on the same. Either oh, way, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll keep going. Yeah. Um, but God dang, that was the play right there. I yeah. remember that one. Yeah. Backside was... pile on chase down pursuit drill, boys. It's the pursuit drill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, and really the go Broncos Sorry, got lucky there. That probably should have been called a touchback. Yeah. No, it's all good. It's all good. You go and you draft Damian Harris in round three too. I think just just imagine if sec coaches had the opportunity three years ago to have sony michelle and damian harris on the same team i mean my goodness they'd be drooling at that opportunity and much less james white who should have been super bowl mvp a couple years ago uh he's he's still there and then you draft jarrett stidham i'm not gonna say that this is a great move but i like the idea of what he brings to the table as a possible you know, heir apparent to Tom Brady, they'll probably get a second round pick for Jarrett Stidham in a couple years here. So I just, I think you look at what the Patriots have done up and down their roster. They just slowly pick away at free agents. They slowly, but surely reshape their roster into a group of guys who fit their culture, who fit their system. And I think they did a good job. No, nah, the Patriots seem to win every offseason, even though despite never seemingly being Crazy uh, in terms of spending in free agency. Always seem to do it with, you know, veteran starters and guys that they know uh, will have, you know, a good impact on it. Impact's the key word today for me for some reason. I keep going. Anyways, number eight off the board, I'm taking the Tennessee Titans. And, uh, you know, free agency, again, unlike my last pick in the Arizona Cardinals, free agency big. 
football team this year. After finishing nine and seven and third in the AFC South, the t- the Tennessee Titans absolutely have this offseason in order to keep competing in a division that seems to get only better and better every single year. We don't even know what's going to happen to Jacksonville. Will they bounce back with Nick Foles? But nonetheless, some of the free agency pickups, I love the Rogers Saffold pick from L.A. You're still one of the best guards in the league away from a, a really good football team. Now he is 31 years old, so health might be an area of concern or something to watch for. You pick up Adam Humphreys. Um, you know, I thought they overpaid for Adam Humphreys a little bit, but that's kind of okay. Cam Wake, I wouldn't have given him three years, but the one-year deal for the 37-year-old guy would have been dynamite. Maybe you had to give him the extra two to get him in there uh, into camp in Tennessee. And then you re-signed Kenny Vaccaro, all relative to great decisions there from that front office in Tennessee. And then they go out on draft day and get some studs, man. Jeffrey Simmons will start in this league for quite a while, um, you know, in my opinion, Fletcher Cox. I mean, I know those are two Mississippi State guys that I'm comparing back to back, but I truly think that's his ceiling right there for Jeffrey Simmons, assuming that knee comes back fully healthy. Jay Brown, man, again, a guy that I love on this podcast. He's my beloved wide receiver one from this class, and you get him at freaking what pick sixty one right there in round two. Great things there. And I think the Amani Hooker, your boy from Iowa, right there was a really mm-hmm. good late-round pick, another late-round sleeper for me. So number eight coming off the board for me, got to be the Tennessee Titans, Sarah. Uh, let's move on to you. And quickly, team number nine, who is it, my guy? All right, team number nine, I got to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think you look at this team and what they've been doing the past like three or four years, they've just been – They've been really stuck in some quicksand right here. And I think you get when you get Bruce Arians to come out of retirement to come and coach Jameis Winston, there's something that could really happen there. We talk about the hypothetical with, you know, with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury and and how that could all work out. But I think about Bruce Arians offense and what it could do for Jameis Winston. And I think that's one of the most underrated uh, combinations that that a team made this offseason. And then they went and hired Todd Bowles, who was a really good defensive coordinator maybe not a great head coach but a very very good defensive coordinator and we saw the trajectory the Jets have been on with him at the helm even so I think that that's a great coach pairing right there you get basically two head coaches for the price of one and on the defensive side of the ball because the Buccaneers really they left their offense untouched I mean they they're bringing back all their starters except for Deshaun uh oh my gosh um Deshaun Jackson yeah why did I forget his name I'm looking at Chris Godwin and I don't even know who I'm thinking about but um yeah they so everyone but Deshaun Jackson is back Ronald Jones hopefully in line for a breakout year but look at these names that they've brought in on the defensive side of the ball right here okay we got Ndamukong Sue at defensive tackle the most recent of their pickups really great player obviously we know that he's a proven guy he was a stud for the rams last year on a one-year deal uh definitely proved that he can still play at an elite level in the nfl then they draft devin white with their first round pick man and i think devin white is obviously going to be one of the 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 highest impact or the most immediate impact rookies in the league i know we didn't touch on him in the podcast just because he's such an obvious pick but i mean you have to talk about what he's capable of doing in that defense, and he's going to be really good. And I think a really underrated move that they made with Bulls connection and Arians connection in Arizona, how about Dayon Buchanan 
the safety slash linebacker who's going to come in and play mm. a big role for that defense. He knows the coordinator. He knows the system. Him and Devin White, that little pairing right there, that's that's an underrated couple of moves that, that a team made in the NFL this offseason. And I think one of the best moves that they made, a one-year flyer, which I don't understand why, but maybe, you know, it's that maybe it's that Homer in me. But Shaquille Barrett, man, he's gonna be a starter for this defense. He's going to a great system with Todd Bowles, and Shaquille Barrett is one of the best run players off the edge in the NFL at the outside linebacker position. Pretty good pass rusher. Didn't quite see the full the full extent of what he's capable of doing there because he played behind Vaughn and he played behind Bradley Chubb and he played behind Demarcus Ware. But again, I think that experience is great for him to now come and be a starter and really prove this year at the age of 25 or 26 that he can be a top-tier rusher in the league. And I think he's going to be uh, one of the one of the more underrated free agent pickups for any team. And then obviously they go and they, they spend three high draft picks on the secondary, Sean Bunting, Jamel Dean, and Mike Edwards. So I, I like what the, the Buccaneers did this offseason. They they knew their defense was the issue. They knew the offense can put yards in the air or put, you know, they can pass the ball. They can score the ball. They went and upgraded the defense in a big way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple things I'm, you know, kind of down on here in Tampa, or at least one thing I don't think I'm hopeful for. Uh, the thing I'm down on, you know, Ndamukong Sue we saw last year, he wasn't really engaged during the regular season. Because he knew the Rams were definitely a playoff tender, but damn, in the playoffs, he turned it on, absolutely dominated a few football games there in the playoffs. The only problem for me, Sarah, I don't know how much of a player Tampa Bay is as we sit here today in late May. The NFC South is pretty damn tough to make it out of, and the Atlanta Falcons will be healthy this year. So you're not, you know, four and twelve or six and ten football season from the Atlanta Falcons. That's just not happening. So the Dominican Sue signing, I'm a little question it, uh, questionative there because I just don't know that guy's motives and his want to and his drive. Um, as far as the thing I'm hopeful for, man, you didn't mention his name. I'm really hoping OJ Howard has a breakout season this year. You know, a guy they invested some heavy heavy draft capital in a couple seasons ago. Um, but all the th- all the things you mentioned, man, the Devin White draft pick the Dion Buchanan uh you know signing I, I love that and of course um you know the, the coaching staff down there I'm a big fan of Bruce Arians I thought what he did in Arizona was a bit over there until he had some issues uh I believe out there and ultimately retired but I'm gonna take number 10 off the board and I still got a couple of teams left on my big board but I'm going down uh to this team right here there were eight on my big board but I gotta take them uh, in this conversation, just because I really do love what, you know, I, I like a lot what they did. And one of our most avid listeners here on the NFL Mox podcast is indeed an Oakland Raiders fan. Ooh. I'm taking the Oakland Raiders here at 10, man. Look, Sarah, you added Antonio Brown for a damn fourth and a sixth round pick. That's absolutely amazing. Yeah, they overpay for Trent Brown, Trent Brown, especially to play him at right tackle, as you mentioned earlier in this game or this podcast. Podcast, but he, I mean, flat out is he's a mauler and a baller there at six seven. They're gonna keep Colton Miller over there at left tackle. Not huge on that guy, right? Uh, you know, a bit of a flop there in last year. What we're talking about, we're talking about this year's offseason. I love the Tyrell Williams signing, and yeah, they may have overpaid for Lamarcus as well. But again, that guy's a fool gonna help their defense. And Vontez Burfick was flat out born. 
to be an Oakland Raider, especially for just two and a half million dollars. I believe the contract they put them on. And then let's move into the draft, man. If you don't love these picks, that's okay. But it's damn clear to me that Mike Mayock and John Gruden had a plan and they stuck to it, executed it in this draft. They were going for guys who are leaders. They were going for impact players early. Um, and I think you got that. Your first three draft picks in the first round, we knew that coming in they had three first-round picks. I think you got three starters right there, in Cleveland Farrell, Josh Jacobs, and John Abrams. We've talked about that on this podcast here. Trayvon Mullen and Hunter Renfro, who Hunter Renfro is probably nearing AARP status, but all around hmm. pretty damn good leaders there in Oakland. So, again, I have to reward – even if you're not huge on the draft picks, even if you thought they might have overdrafted, uh, especially there at Cleveland Farrell, you have to admire the fact that this team had their game plan and stuck to it no matter what. So I can, you know, I, you know, here's some congratulations, Mike Mayock. You made our top 10 offseason improvements <laughs> list. Some honorable mentions, Sarah, before we cut out and beg people for a like, subscribe, rate, and review. Um, some honorable mentions, some teams we did not hit on. Uh, and I'll start, man. The Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Jets are the two teams that I bypassed here on my big board. Um, the New York Jets, man, uh, strictly a player and personnel decision on my part. I think they got a lot better at a lot of positions, but it's just a shit show there in that upper management there in that uh, you know building in New York. And again, the Philadelphia Eagles, I like some of the re-signings, especially bringing back their guys. Who are some teams that you think we should have definitely had, or at least you had, on your top ten big board? Gosh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's. I think you look for you look for teams who really didn't lose all that much when you're when you're trying to compare. I think maybe one of the teams that you could look at is San Francisco. They they. They're very well coached on the offensive side of the ball, and I think that their defense could be a lot better. And the 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 additions of D Ford and Nick Bosa off the edge, I don't know that any team improved as much off the edge compared to the compared to the San Francisco 49ers. You could look around the league at what some of the other teams did, but you get D Ford for a second, and then you use your top pick on Nick Bosa. That that right there is going to completely change the way that they play defense in San Francisco. And then I love what they've done on the offensive side of the ball because they were already really good last year with with a bunch of no-name players out there except for George Kittle. And so now you add some bigger-name players. Mullins, baby. Mullins, baby. Come on, and he gets Farrell Cooper now to throw to on the scout team for a bit. So, Or not Farrell Cooper. Wait, <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting names all sorts of messed up here tonight, dude. Is it Pharaoh? Okay? Yeah, it's no, all right. good, man. I love the scout. I love the scout team comment. That was the funniest. Debo right Samuel, there. dude. Boy I don't on even the know scout what team. I'm doing. <laughs> Boy on the scout team, he gets Debo uh, Samuel, not Pharaoh Cooper. Where's my head at right now? Where's my head? my head is still with the Oakland Raiders, who you talked about as having one of the top ten off seasons, more like one of the top ten dumpster fires I've ever seen in my life. I, l I actually like what they did in the draft. I'm not oh, even man, trying here's to. That, here's that AFC West Denver Bronco homer talking right here. Come on, lay it on. I'm, I'm not even trying to hate on their draft. I like it. I like Cleveland Farrell. I like Jonathan Abram. I like, uh, I like Josh Jacobs. But you bring in Antonio Brown. Okay, I can get on board with Antonio Brown. And then you bring in Vontez Perfect. Mm, okay, well, now, you, now you've got some different elements here that we're mixing that's a little questionable. And then you bring in all these personalities from all these different teams. And then you bring in Richie Incognito. 
I mean, this guy's a threat to society, oh, much less, much less, much less. Okay, somebody put it this way: somebody's like the Raiders had the decision between basically keeping their locker room and their community safe or having solid left guard play. And I'm like, wow, yeah, that's exactly that is something that the Raiders would do. And and I just I don't like the justification for it. I don't like the fact that Richie Incognito's in the league. I think that you know I'm not the judge and jury by any means, but I think that if if anyone needs to be, I mean, the dude said his liver and his kidneys were failing. He threatened to shoot up a funeral home. He said he wanted his dad's head cut off. I mean, my gosh, there this guy needs help, and I mean that in all seriousness. This guy needs help, man, and and they're bringing him in to start at left guard, and they're throwing him in with all these rookies they pitched as, and and we saw how strict you know Mike Mayock was being about the pick with Jonathan Abram and him being a leader, and that's what they brought him in to do. Well, he's not going to be able to be a leader when Vontez Perfect is you know doing all the stupid stuff that he's always done, getting fined more than he's more than he's making impact plays. I, I I I love to hate on the Raiders as much as anybody. I didn't hate their draft, but their free agency to me was all sorts of messed up. And so I, you know, shout out to the devote the, the you know the devout listener out there who loves the Oakland Raiders. But uh, man, it's either going to go really well for them or it's going to be absolute garbage. All right, Sarah. Over under seven wins in Oakland this year. I'm go- I'm taking over at it. I think they go eight and eight at, at worst. All right. The Oakland Raiders, eight and eight. I will bet you a carton of enlightened ice cream on it. What do you say? Ooh, yeah, get me. I'll take the under then. If it's for enlightened ice cream, you know I'm I'm all about that bet. And I just bless <laughs> you with it. If, if if I'm wrong, I just get to bless somebody with the gift of enlightened ice cream. Uh, that's a little inside joke here for me and Sarah. Sarah gets on. We do this on Google Hangouts, so I get to see his ugly mug right here on my computer screen every single day. And here he is in pre-show every single Tuesday and Thursday night, and he's just mowing down the enlightened ice cream over there <laughs> in Omaha. But that is our show for tonight here on the NFL Mox Podcast, Sarah. Um, you know, if you're still listening here, 43, 44 minutes in deep, however deep we are right now, like, subscribe, and review. And while you're in a given mood, head on over to NFLMox.com. Check out everything the guys and girls are writing for us over there. And, uh, you know, if you're uh, a college football, check out maven.io forward slash Georgia. That's a shameless self-plug here, sir. Sorry, I had to do it. I don't mind it, man. I love it. Let's go. Let's go. Bulldogs all day, baby. Except if they're playing the Hawkeyes. <laughs> Except for they're playing the Hawkeyes. But again, that's our show for tonight. We appreciate you guys for listening. We'll see you on Tuesday's episode of the podcast. Uh, we'll see you next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.